Over. Bitsbirds, brothers and sisters, we are back at it again this year in 2024 for the Sony Open. And we are looking forward to a great year of Bitsbirds Golf DFS over here. We've got the Byron Show going into 2024, and it's going to be a good one. My good friend Ron, PGA Splits 101, sits to the left of us, depending how you figure it out. But looking like a beautiful background there with some really nice Michigan merchandise on, Ron. How are you doing on this wonderful Wednesday? Yeah, great to be back. Um, feeling refreshed. Uh, definitely, I think most of us, and I think you'd agree, kind of need that six-week break from golf at the end of the year. So, you know, last year, last week was great watching, you know, Hawaii, Paradise. You just can't beat that watching on TV. And, you know, excited for this week. Um, you know, one of the strongest ever fields here for the Sony Open. So, I'm really looking forward to uh, keeping it going here and uh, being back here uh, at Best Birds, uh, working with you, my man. Hey, man. You know, the Byron show is undefeated, in my opinion. So we are going to have a great year in 2024. I know that you have done some wonderful um, rabbit hole digging and finding yourself in Alice in Wonderland if you're a nerdy individual. So, Ron, talk to us about the rabbit hole that you got over there at Best Birds. Yeah, so I'll keep I'll keep it brief, but yeah, just you know, coming up with this, this has been something you know I've been wanting to do for a long time. Um, a lot of you know blood, sweat, and tears went into this, um, but yeah, just you know, it gives anyone the ability to search for pretty much any condition imaginable that you want to filter. Um, you know, for example, this week, if you want to look at performance on less than driver courses. If you want to look at just off the tee on less than driver courses, for example. So that's another thing people always talk about, you know, how many, how many strokes gained does a guy, you know, get off the tee when we have these shorter courses, you can just focus on that. If you want to look at um, scrambling from Bermuda rough approach accuracy from just the rough. Um, so, I mean, it's literally, you know, so many things you can, you can go into and uh, I'll keep highlighting those on Twitter just so, you know, everybody can see you know, how powerful that tool is. Um, but yeah, we're just getting started here. We've got a lot more things we're going to be adding on to it. Um, so again, anyone has any suggestions, improvements, we are constantly open to, you know, making those improvements and uh, making it the best possible tool uh, for anybody. So, yep. If you're a, if you're a nerdy golf guru and you don't get tingles down your spine when you, when you hear the words scrambling out of Bermuda rough, then you are not a nerdy golf guru. So just going to put that out there. That gave me some chills just sitting in my office over here in 72 degree weather in a sweater where um, it's going to be a little cooler actually going into Hawaii this week. You know, I've been to Hawaii once or twice and I haven't had a chance to tell the story yet, but I actually went into the Wailai Country Club and tried to buy a hat while I was there for my like five year anniversary with my beautiful Mrs. Maniac. And um, the guy walked up to me and said, sir, are you a member here? And I'm like, no, I'm not, but I'm, I'm looking to purchase a hat from you guys so that I can, you know, have one. It's like, we're going to ask you to leave immediately. And that was my experience at Wildlife Country Club. So I then went into another hotel room, not a hotel, a five-star hotel over there that had dolphins swimming in the freaking like lazy river around there. And then I found, I found a way to get onto Wildlife Country Club from behind the hotel. So don't tell them, but 
I've been there. I've done that. It's a wonderful course. I watched some guy take like three shots out the first whole bunker there on the green. So hilarious stuff. Speaking of bunker stuff and around the green play, Ron, talk to me what you're kind of figuring out for your, your metrics going into the week at, at Wild ICC. So a couple of notes just from the top here. So first, first of all, I know people have heard it all week, but course history matters here. Uh, this is the second most predictive course on tour behind Augusta National. So it's, it's kind of this classical course with a lot of nuances um you have a, actually a quarter of the field playing wiley for the first time um 16 of the last 17 winners here have competed at least once before winning so again all that evidence uh, for course history uh and then secondly i'm you know kind of strongly prioritizing golfers who played at the century last week um i know just you know having a week of competition under your belt to knock off any of that rust is huge in my opinion um, and then another thing just to keep in mind is it looks like we're going to have some windy conditions. Uh, so to my model this week, which is posted in the betting article and online on the Discord, um, you know, I've added a strokes gain wind model, um, which looks like it's going to be important this week uh, for kind of performance uh, going back any rounds played in winds of 15 miles an hour or stronger. Uh, but yeah, so going back to the actual course. So, you know, Wiley is, is kind of known as the shot makers course distinguished by these narrow corridors. Uh, sharp dog legs or six of them. Uh, you have unpredictable Bermuda rough and firm greens. So it's a positional track that kind of has effectively neutralized any advantages that, you know, bombers off the tee uh, have. So in essence, this week, it's all about strategy, position, shot making on a very tight and flat course. And, uh, and one other thing, like there's this kind of this misconception out there that the fairways here are narrow. They're actually not. They're actually 35 yards wide on average and are the 11th widest on tour. It's the driving corridors that are narrow thanks to the dog legs and the trees that kind of surround the fairways and give it kind of a, a claustrophobic type feeling. So um, as for scoring, like this is not a complete birdie fest. Uh, when you take out the windblown 2020 event, you know, the average winning score here over the past five years has been 21 under. So if it's a course where if you hit good shots, you're going to be rewarded. Um, you can make birdie on almost every hole. Uh, but if you get into the rough or you get out of position, um, it can be a tough scramble for par. So that's a, that's so three for It's been pretty torrentially downpouring there for the last little while. So does that change much? Does it soften up? Obviously, the greens being fast and firm, they're going to be fast and soft now kind of thing or soft medium, a medium well. You know, it depends how you like your stakes or your greens. But um what do you what do you what's your take on the on the the rain? Yeah, I think it might even have more impact on the fairways because the fairways that's that's one of the reasons if you look at driving distance is actually above average here. And a lot of that is because the fairways are so firm um, and a lot of guys are hitting these low, you know, less than driver irons off the tee and you're getting all this rollout. Um, and so a lot of these balls off the tee are running through the fairway into the rough. And so I think when you have, you know, rough that's or fairways that aren't as firm. Um, I think it might actually increase uh, driving accuracy, which in turn is going to increase the greens and regulation. So I, I think we could see scoring even a little bit uh, lower than, than typical here. Awesome. Yep, I agree with all that. And I think <clears throat> it definitely helps you hit fairways. But if you do miss them, I think there's a, they might be a little bit more difficult out the rough with it being a little more lush and yep. wet, right? So yep. um, it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword in that department. So we've got four guys sitting in the 10K range here on. Kind of going to go. I'm going to ask you for your favorite play in each range and your least, the guy you're fading. So we're going to be fading 25% of this range, yeah, at, at least. You know, if you aren't, say so. You know, like I, I'm always okay with that. But um, I know you like to play the best players, but 
are the best players, in your opinion, value-wise, sitting in the 10K range? Yeah, so this is really interesting this week because you have the three highest-priced golfers who have never played here. Uh, and, of course, we just talked about course history. But then you have, you know, Matt Fitzpatrick. You have Terrell Hatton, who are really good in the wind. And then you have, you know, Ludwig Eberg, who he's already had tons of success playing on, you know, new courses for the first time. Um, and so, but this, this just, this course isn't a good fit for him. And then you have the fourth highest player, you know, with Thigala. He's only played here once. And because of his volatility off the tee, he's not really the best course fit either. So for me, when I look at this top range, like I have no problem completely fading it. And in most of my lineups, that's probably what I'm going to do. Like I'm literally jumping down to, to that 9k range. Um, I think if I'm playing, if I'm playing two guys here, it would definitely be Hatton and Fitzpatrick just because of the win factor. And I think both of those guys, especially Hatton, I think he has the all-around game, whether you're looking at putting around the green, even approach play has gotten really good for him lately. Um, Hatton would probably be my favorite play with hit, with Fitz number two. But like I said, I'm, I'm perfectly fine skipping this whole top section. Yeah. From what I've gathered from the weather, it seems like it's going to be wet and rainy, windy before the cut. And then once the weekend rolls by, everyone that managed to survive the onslaught is going to have, you know, what, what looks like behind you there. You know, just beautiful conditions that are scorable. So I think Fitz always making the cut. I think it's even more likely this week, you know, especially if the, if the conditions are a little tougher. But once he makes it to the weekend, I've got a concern that he's not going to be able to keep his foot on the gas, although he, he did quite well at the century um, in that department. But I feel like a lot of his scoring comes on the par fives where he really dominates there. And there's only two of them this week, right? So there's there's some guys that you can really lean on that struggle on par fives on easier courses that you might be able to sneak into your lineups this week that kind of do that. I'm kind of in agreements with you there, Ron, in fading pretty much the whole 10K range. But with Sahith the Gala being not a very good course fit, I think we're going to be able to find some some leverage in 150 max contests where I can probably stick him in like 15, 20% of my lineups. I'm completely fine playing one of the best birdie makers in the field. And he didn't have a good course fit at Silverado, right? Where he won the Fortinet. I mean, it's sure. it's not the, the best course fit for him, but he's I Joe Adoni asked me this question. It's like, what's the comp for Sahith? And I said it's Cam Smith. Like, and Cam Smith is one, yeah. And he's won at Kapalua. Sahith finished second at Kapalua, right? So it's like I've got these correlations, yeah, and, and he can scramble and just get out of trouble, probably the best in this field. So at that kind of ownership, I'm willing to kind of go to him, especially, you know, because it's a massive leverage play on someone that can potentially win this tournament. I do have an outright on him at 45 to 1. In the 9K range, we've got Brian Harmon, Corey Connors, Eric Cole, Russell Henley, Chris Kirk, Willie Z in the 9K range with the new back, JT Poston and Hideki Matsuyama rounding out the 9K range. I'm going to open up with fading Hideki Matsuyama at 9K flat, just based off of everything that we've seen so far, the last 24 rounds of, of golf he's played. I know, you know, even the most recent one at the century was, I mean, that was, that was abysmal. That was disgustingly bad golf from Hideki Matsuyama. And I think people are still going to be levitating to him for course history. And I just don't think he's going to pay, pay off his price tag at $9,000. So he's going to be my fade. And then I will let you know that I'll be playing a lot of Brian Harmon at $9,900. I feel like he's a good value play there. He could easily have been in the in the 10K range with those other four guys. Um, he got dropped into the nines, and I think he provides us some salary relief. 
What do you have Hideki ownership right now? 12-ish. Okay. I've got him at right around 8-9. So, yeah, like, I'll just just really quick on him. Like, uh, there's a lot of players in this field. Even going back to what you said about Tigala, like, they're boomer busts. Like, I could see Tigala and Hideki winning. I could see them both missing the cut here. Um, And so I think if you're playing, you know, GPPs, if you're multi-entering, I think those are two guys who are excellent plays. You know, I think, obviously, Hideki won here two years ago. Something about this course, you know, he likes, um, you know, but again, his world ranking has been slipping. Didn't, didn't look good last week, but you know, he's the third best long-term approach player in this field. Um, and so I think, you know, he, he deserves a, at least a small percentage in your lineups, especially at that ownership. Uh, my, my favorite is by far Corey Connors. Um, you know, he ranks out as the third best player in my model this week, best ball striker by a sizable margin. And again, while his overall short game, it kind of remains a weakness for him. It's pretty notable that in his five starts here at at Wiley, he's, you know, has a positive strokes gain number around the green and he's gained five strokes putting in a week, only three times in his career on the PGA tour. Two of those weeks have been here at the Sony open. So I think he's a little bit chalky, you know, I'm looking at around 17, 18% right now. Um, But I think he is definitely good chalk this week. I mean, four straight top 12 finishes here. So I really love him. I think Brian Harmon, you know, people kind of get a bad taste in their mouth with, with Harmon uh, as far as, you know, he doesn't have the best course history here. Again, he's moved up to ninth in the world rankings. He's coming off a tie for fifth at the century. And I think you'd agree this course fits him a lot better than Kapalua did last week. And so, you know, the thing I looked at is he hasn't really played the century the week before he's ever played here, at least not often. So perhaps that's a factor, but I just love Harmon, you know, super accurate off the tee. He's got the short game. Um, And then just two others like Russell Henley, you know, I think, you know, he's going to have a bounce back week. I'm going to be playing him. And I also do like, you know, Chris Kirk. I mean, a lot of people won't play him. uh, Maybe not as much as they would because he won last week, but I mean, the guy has played this course 13 times in his career. I mean, his approach game, even though he gained a lot with the putter, I think 11 strokes last week, you know, his approach game has improved. He knows this course inside and out with uh, two top fives here in the last three years. So the 9K range is loaded for me. And, uh, again, this range is where I will be starting a lot of my lineups from. Yeah, there's some really impressive course history in this 9K range. And I've got Corey Connors sitting around 24 25% ownership. So he's looking like he might be the, you know, if we, if we middle that, it's still low 20s, right? So I think he'll be quite popular, but... If you're going to play him, play a lot of him because I think you're going to have to. Um, again, and Corey Khan is one of those guys that's very course history-ish. You know, he's got course history in his DNA. Think about he's won the Valero twice. Uh, sorry, the Valspot, the Valero. Yeah, I keep getting those yep. in between. But um, the same course, you know, like he's just he just goes to these courses and plays well. The Masters, he plays well there all the time, right? And those are courses that have very strong predictive capabilities. So, um Definitely we'll be looking at him too, but I think just from an ownership perspective, I'll be out. Um, into the eights. Let's dive into there and head first. We go right into Benny on at $8,700. Siwa Kim, 86. Cam Davis, Denny McCarthy, Harris English, Justin Rose, Stephen Yeager, Adam Hadwin, and Keegan Bradley. Rounds out the bottom at the 8K barrel. Some interesting names, some, some evenly distributed ownership here. I think... The reason I'm not necessarily going to be playing too much Corey Connors is because I will be loading up on Benny on. I think even at this price tag, I think he could easily have been a 9K golfer this week. 
I think based off his recent form, I think he's had three top five finishes in like the last six starts. One of them being last week, which to me was impeccable. He putted really, really well here when he played here a while ago or the last time he played here. I think he finished T12 and putted well. This week, he shows up with a broomstick putter. And I feel like, so the broomstick could easily help him elevate that putting performance that he had last time here because he's just putting better with the broomstick right now. So he's playing great golf, makes tons of birdies. I'm not worried about him around the green. He's one of the best scramblers out there. And, you know, come rain or shine, I think Benny Arn's going to be mine. So that's my guy that I'm playing hard. And then someone I'll be fading in this range is probably going to be Justin Rose. He's going to be quite popular after breaking the course record on Sunday at Kapalua on, on the other side of the course. You know, like classic Justin Rose when it doesn't matter doing his thing. Um, I do have Justin Rose bet at a top 40, though. I just think I'm fading him at that ownership because I'm I'm concerned he's going to have one of those blow-up rounds where he kind of just doesn't give you that upside that you're looking for to finish inside the top 20, top 10 at 15% ownership. So I'll just bet him top 10, I mean top 40, and he's done that. 71% of his or 72% of the time, right? So like it's it's his thing. So safe, but no cigar for me for Justin Rose. What are your thoughts on this 8K range? Yeah, so I'll just I'm I'm fading Benny on. Um I agree with a lot of what you said. His his improvements with the putter have been really impressive. Um when I'm seeing him, and again, 19, 20%. Um, I know he's gonna be popular this week. And so I I I've got to see him on these shorter tracks. Still, you know, I know he's a good, great driver of the ball. Um, so I, again, so much of this for me is course fit. And from, in my opinion, I just, I'm a little, little short on him this week. Um, Harris English is another one who's kind of popular who, you know, he's 82nd in this field and approach for me. So, you know, I, I will never play a guy that low in a course where you, you need to have some success with your irons, you know, from that 125 to, to 200 range. Um, for me, um, I think Cam Davis is really interesting. You know, he's got four straight top 32s here. At 8,500, um, you know, he's a big hitter who can be wild off the tee, which means when he gets to these positional less than driver tracks and he's kind of forced the club down, you know, he, he has more success on these types of courses. So I think we'll see a good bounce back from him. I love Rose. You know, I, I, I think he is another like Connors is a good chalk. You know, he's excellent fit. He's got the upside to win second here in 2017. And he just thrives on these short strategic tracks. You know, he's got that elite wedge play. He's got a hot putter that can just push him to the top of the leaderboard. And then finally, I don't think we can forget about Keegan Bradley sitting there at 8,000. You know, he doesn't have the best course history here, but he's a top 10 ball striker in this field. He has win equity, and he also has something to prove after his uh, Ryder Cup snub from last year. So I would not be surprised to see him have a really good week. Well, he's had multiple opportunities to really prove us wrong, and he hasn't quite done it yet, Ron. So unless he's waiting for his bag to get unpacked on its own, he's going to be waiting a little while still. But I don't know. I've I've got him ranked 13th, yeah, but he's just kind of whatever for me. On Cam Davis, though, his accuracy in this field I've got in the in the hundreds, 133rd or so. Strokes gained off the tee on courses less than 7,200 yards, fifth in strokes gained off the tee. So it's kind of incredible how he just morphs himself into – a Brendan Todd-esque individual when it comes to these shorter courses. So he'll be quite popular. I think he was, it's not looking like it right now, but I think people will see him not very owned and go back to him because they like, people love Cam Davis in DFS. They just love it. You know, like he's a DFS drug and people can't get off him. So they'll be going back 
Um, you know, he just really hasn't proven that he's got that immense upside that we're looking for, even though, you know, like he's pretty solid. So that's my take on Cam Davis. Do what you want with that. Brennan Todd sitting here at $7,900, broke his driver last week. I've never seen him. If he could use the swing speed he used to break his driver on the tee box, I think he might be able to hit the ball at 170 miles an hour going forward and maybe succeed a little bit better on the on the PGA Tour. But he's still relying on his, on his short game and his wedges, which, surprise, surprise, at this venue is exactly what you're looking for. And I think he'll be a great option for people. But to me, Todd is just like a cash game play, a top 40 bet. We see this guy, he gets close to the leaderboard and then he just frizzles away. Like he was playing really bad golf under pressure when he was with the big boys, you know, in that final group on Saturday. And then obviously broke his driver after he hit it out of bounds on Sunday, right? So he's he's a, a showdown guy for me, I think, early in the week. Um, and then I'll be moving on from him there. My favorite play in this range is Lucas Glover. $7,700. He led the century tournament of champions. It has Colin Morikawa. Victor Hovland, Scotty Scheffler, and company all in that field. He was the number one in strokes gained approach at the Century last week. So we go to a course like this where he gained nine strokes on approach when he finished up fifth a while back. And guess what? We've known Glover as a really bad putter historically. He He's pretty neutral at this venue, right? And now he comes back with a broomstick. Again, I've got broomstick boys all over my card this week. But I'm expecting him to even raise that neutral putting situation at Wailai this week with the broomsticks. So the course fit, the course history, the recent form, it's all trending super hard for me right now. Lucas Glove is arguably my favorite play on the board. I'm going to be playing probably 40 to 50% of him this week. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you said there. Um, one thing I'll say about Brendan Todd is you didn't see it fully last week, but I think with Paul Tesori on his bag, you remember Webb Simpson is, you know, he Webb doesn't have the game like he used to anymore. Um, even for a course like this, but I just think all that experience Tesori has. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see how much of that, you know, could help Todd and kind of add to his game this week. Um, but I agree or with a lot of what you, you said. Think it's going to be more pressure. Like could be. Yep. Yep. When last did um, Brendan Todd snap he, his driver run, you know, like when was what it's an inch. When last did Brendan Todd ever have like an outburst where you've seen him like snap his driver, right? Like that's not yep. him. I feel like he's under pressure with Paul on the back. Yep, could be maybe like similar to Cam Young a little too. So that that pairing didn't go too well either. So that's interesting. Um, yeah, like I think Adam Svensson is just a really a guy who's just popping in all the models for me. You know, he ranked ninth overall in this field. You know, he's sitting there at you know seventy seven hundred. You know, he has the accuracy off the tee. He's really good tee to green. You know, putting can be volatile, but I really like him um, for his upside. You know, obviously he's won uh, here on tour as well. I mean, you got Tom Hoagie sitting there still, you know, the, uh, you know, seventh in approach. Um, just, you know, he's he's another guy, you know, just boom or bust. Um, I could see it go either way for him this week. Um, a guy, probably my favorite leverage play, though, maybe in the entire field. And I don't know what you see him at for ownership, but Keith Mitchell sitting there at 7,500. Didn't play last week, um, but I, I got him right in that, you know, four to six percent range. And if you look on Data Golf, Data Golf has him as the second best player above expectation on this course. Okay, so he has a really good course history here. He thrives on these short Bermuda tracks. 
Um, he just really accurate off the tee, gaining strokes. Even with distance off the tee, he gains on these lesson driver courses. So um, he's a really interesting play for me. Um, and I think if we're kind of wrapping up this this 7K range, and, and you know, if you've got more guys on the bottom here, I'll go to you after this. But, yeah, I think Nick Taylor um, at 7,200, you know, he, he kind of struggled his first few years here. But he's been progressively better his last three trips. He was 32nd, then 11th, and then 7th last year. Of course, won the Canadian Open. You know, has winning upside, and that's kind of all you want from this range, especially, you know, again, if you're playing GPPs. And didn't look good last week, uh, but again, a lot of these guys, even like a Keegan Bradley, uh, Matsuyama, Nick Taylor, who didn't play well last week, um, I'm kind of looking. Maybe I have too much confidence in it, but I'm kind of looking for that bounce back and kind of almost expect it this week. I agree. I think guys that played badly are almost like more of a candidate that I want to play, especially if they've got a solid baseline historically. Um, someone that I'm seeing trending really hard and looking like the chalkiest guy, highest owned guy in this range at $7,500, Andrew Putnam. Seeing around about 15, 17%. I understand why the course history is phenomenal, but taking a look at his recent form, there's two missed cuts in there and then there's two top tens. And, you know, there was a bit of, bit of everything that he had going at the century. So, if you're going to give me someone with that kind of volatility that's that high owned, call it 60% of the time he makes the cut, 40% of the time he doesn't. If you're going to tell me 17% of the field's out, you know, like because of that 40% miscut potential, I'll take it. You know, so I think it's a perfect fade candidate in that situation, especially with Keith Mitchell sitting there at a third of the ownership and arguably the same caliber golfer in a way. You know, like Keith, unfortunately, similar to Brennan Todd, kind of fizzles away as the week unfolds, but he's going to get you into the weekend for sure and hopefully kind of power through on this course. So he's my pivot off of Andrew Putnam and I'll put Luke List in that mix too. I think he's also. My card is full of these guys that have been bad putters that have now found putting performances. So Luke List is on the card. He's going to be in the player pool at $7,600. Um, and I'll just round out the bottom here. Nick Taylor, I have a matchup against him with Steven Yeager based off of Nick Taylor's ability to not make cuts that much. Steven Yeager makes cuts like a beast. He's, he's a pair of scissors that has two shoes on, and it's it's really, really impressive what he gets up to. So we'll kind of go there, and then Billy Horschel is going to be my sneaky kind of play in this range. I think he is primed for a breakout. He's been grinding his ass off over in Europe. I think he's been playing great golf over there. People that don't have European strokes gain stats aren't going to see that. People that don't pay attention, you know, around the globe. Um, that's what we preach over at Betsburts Golf is, you know, be a global connoisseur of golf. And I think Billy Horschel's going to be a sneaky play, especially at a course like this that suits his game. And then I'll just add one more person to finish it off is Alexander Bjork. I had him in my Corn Ferry 45 article. He is ultra, like he's basically the equivalent of like a Russell Henley, I'd say from a statistical profile. He's very, very good off the tee from an accuracy perspective, not the longest. He's a very good iron player, doesn't make a lot of birdies, but is very, very safe. You know, his bogey avoidance rate is elite and um, he's he's played great golf over there in, in Europe and the two times he played on a PGA Tour event, which was the Scottish and I think the Open, he made the cut. So he's $7,200 and I don't think anyone's going to be playing him because he's a very unfamiliar name. And let me say this, I agree completely on Bjork. Um, he's really interesting. Just, you know, he's one of those guys, those European guys who's making the move, got his PGA Tour card. So it'll be interesting to see some of those guys, you know, how they adjust. And I'll just say this, when you look at the bottom of that 7K range, you've got a whole bunch of high upside guys 
that yeah. could easily be in the upper seven Ks. I mean, if you're looking at, you know, two guys in particular, Taylor Pendrith, Taylor Montgomery, both kind of the same type of player who yep. they kind of have had better success on these shorter courses. If you look at Montgomery, he's, you know, he took a lot of criticism for how badly he kind of fell off the map over the summer, yep. but he's got four straight top 35s. He finished eighth at the RSM, which is kind of another shorter positional course. Um, and so I think him and Pendrith both kind of play better on these shorter courses. And I mean, you look at, you know, you got Von Royan sitting here at 72. You got Alex Smalley, one of the best approach players in this field at 71. Obviously, Gary Woodland. I uh, don't think anyone knows quite what to expect from him, but he's got a pretty decent course history here when you go back and, and look back a little bit. Um, so he's interesting. Um, and then, I mean, it just goes on and on. I mean, Nick Hardy, Davis Thompson, you know, Eckroat's here. So a lot of guys who have, you know, skill sets that fit this course. Um, so that's kind of what has me so excited about this week is, is just the depth of this field is, is really good. Yeah, I totally agree. Gary, obviously coming off of brain surgery. If you haven't seen that story, folks, go and find that interview online. Incredible stuff. Just gives me chills. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy to think what he was going through. He, he spent four and a half months expecting to die every single day because this tumor was pushing on the, the part of his brain that induced fear. I can't even, I can't even imagine what that must be like to go through, right? That's just incredible. So congratulations to Gary Woodland on a great recovery. Really looking forward to, you know, seeing what his career can do now that he can really get over that bump. Um, let's jump into the 6k ranger, Ron. And I'm seeing Ben calls at the 7k range looking very chalky. So I'll, I'll leave him alone. You know, it's going to be quite funny to see these. He did lead the corn Ferry tour, but, I, I don't know, you know, like it's the guys, one of the first few PJ Tour starts, not that they got their card. I think I'm out on Ben Coles as well. Ryan Palmer. Ryan Palmer is kind of like a, a, a Southern Corey Connors in a way, plays great golf in Texas and tends to be a course, a horse for a course. You know, he's got certain courses that he plays phenomenally at, and this is one of them. He plays really good golf at this venue. Putts nicely, uh, does his thing, because that's one of his bigger weaknesses. He's typically he's, he struggles with the putter. But Ryan Palmer is going to be doing his thing here around Wiley at $6,900, 2-3% owned, um, with phenomenal course history. Great driver of the golf ball as well. I really, I'm really looking for guys that can really get off the tee and start their hole well, right? Like that just sets you up for success going forward from there. Um, Grayson Sig is another name I've kind of been interested in at 60 $700. He's been playing some good golf, doing all sorts of interesting stuff. His strokes gained from 150 to 200 yards. He's 16th in this field over the last year. So he's going to be in that money range for himself way too often. Jake Knapp at $6,700 is a Corn Ferry Tour grad that will be on the, on the field this year. And I think he's got some really good upside. He's not quite the Bjork type. He's more of a, um, a feisty character in that department. So I'm really looking to play him a bit. And then I'll kind of let you finish up in the, in the top of the sixes, yeah, and I'll take a peek at this, the bottom, and we can kind of round out there. Yeah, so this, this is a different week for me, like, from this round. Usually I'm not excited to play many guys here, but like I said before, there's just so much depth here that, you know, some of these guys have kind of sunk. I mean, even if you look at uh, Seamus Power, who I'm surprised you haven't mentioned yet, um, but at 6,900, yes, he has not been playing well for a long time. But in my opinion, he's way too talented to be priced this low. I mean, we nearly saw him win, you know, Pebble Beach on another positional type course last year. He was third here in 2022. Uh, so I think he's worth a shot. 
Um, and then you, you just got to kind of go down the list here, agree on Palmer. Like we always talk about these course history guys, when you get into the 6K range, even if even if that's the only thing you can grasp a hold of, you know, they're worth flyers. They're worth, you know, 5% in your lineups. Um, and you see a lot of talented guys on here. I mean, even a Davis Riley um, sitting at 6,800. Um, I really like maybe my whole favorite favorite play down here and i'm not sure what you have for ownership but hayden buckley um is maybe the ultimate course history guy he's only got two trips here but he finished second and he's finished 12th and again course history second most predictive here um like i've i've got hayden buckley at like four percent right now i don't i don't know if that's yeah. accurate but um so he's a guy who you know is really good off the tee um and i'm not going to overthink that at all i mean i will be playing a lot of hayden buckley um, and then you have, you know, you have the Woo, the Woo Boys here, 6,600, both of them. I mean, both of those guys have the ability to pop. Um, Dylan Woo with a little, maybe a little more consistency. You have Alejandro Tosti, who's another guy. You know, I know you did some stuff on him. But um, kind of another volatile guy who's just super talented. You know, obviously it's his first time here. Uh, but, yeah, you can go. I mean, you can go all the way down to, you know, a guy like a Justin Lauer at 6,200 who kind of fits this course perfectly as well. So um, I'm going to be writing a few of these guys up in my uh, DraftKings article, which will be out here in a couple hours. But uh, there's just so much down here. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. I'll I'll rattle off a few more, you know, for guys playing some 150 max. Someone that I've actually got an outright on and a 25 or 22 to 1 for a top five is Tyler Duncan. If you take a peek at what Tyler Duncan's been up to the last little while, Sitting down here, he's the tw got 20th in recent form, and he's the sixth best driver of the golf ball over the last 24 rounds. He's just been, the last 10 rounds, he's gained a stroke per round off the tee. He's five foot seven and 150 pounds, Tyler Duncan, and he's just doing it. So he's he's ready to rock and roll off the tee at this venue at freaking, like, what is his price tag? Yeah, I just had it in a few seconds ago. Um $6,600 for Tyler Duncan. You know, he's going to be 1% owned and he's just been rattling off top 20s in the last few starts in the fall swing. Absolutely love what he can get up to. And then a course history guy that's really popping hard here is Aaron Badley. He's got the 12th best course history at this field stroke games-wise over the last five years. He is a coastal course guy. I think it's... Didn't Cam Smith say that it reminds him of Australia a lot? You know, the kind of... The, the rough and the... Did you say did you say badly? Badly, yeah. Yeah, he, he withdrew um, about an hour ago. Oh, well, that's bad. Um, oh well. Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah. That is it might be bad, yeah. <laughs> badly, um, bad. We we'll we'll err on, on the side of caution in that one then and go from there. So Aaron Badley's out the mix, leave him alone, folks. Um a few other names that I just want to kind of mention down here is Martin Laird's been quite an interesting cat. I think he's He's $6,100, and so are Troy Merritt, who I think will be pretty sneaky this week as well. Hopefully, he comes back with a nice, solid putter. He's, his ball striking is typically pretty spot on. And um, Norman Yang is is a, a corn ferry to a guy that just graduated on here. $6,200, and he didn't make the field, but he Monday queued, I believe. So he'll be in the field and barely owned as well doing wonderful things he's got incredible upside so um those are my guys down here in the bottom my pin tweet has all these corn fairy tour guys that you can go and take a peek at i think that's a perfect opportunity to have you know a good edge if you can find someone that you kind of can match to this course nicely um and then obviously go and filter filter the crap out of that rabbit hole baby i think that's bermuda scrambling to me i'm going to be dreaming of that tonight i um 
I'm thrilled. I'm going to definitely be peeking at it this afternoon and kind of just finding a few guys that might pop, you know, on some really absurd model conditioning there. Um, do you want to mention your favorite bet of the week, Ron? Oh, favorite bet of the week. Let's see here. Um, so usually I, I, I go with finished position bets uh, as I kind of weigh those a little higher. Um, I'm feeling really confident about Corey Connors top 20 um, at MGM, not FanDuel, right, Byron? Not FanDuel. Yes. Um, yes. So, yes, plus 138. Um, I went pretty heavy on that top 20. Um, so yeah. that would be my my favorite of the week. Beautiful. I absolutely love it. I'm I'm riding a Turrell Hatton ladder this week. I've got him for top 20 at plus 100 or so at um, Bet365, which also pays ties in full. And then I'm doing the top 10 and top five at plus 200 and plus 375. Because I did, you know, I pulled everybody's betting stats from last year. And Terrell Hatton's most profitable bet was his top five. I think he was returning like a 63% return on investment last year. Um, was still profitable for top 20, but sitting around 23%. So he's definitely a guy you want to tinker in with the top fives there. The win, obviously, never seems like apparent, right? But the top five almost seems inevitable at times. So Terrell's got that going for him. Do we want to do a, a Byron dollar bet, and um, I'll do Benny on, and you do Corey Connors for outright, or what are we going with? Whoever, whoever wins, straight up. Better, uh, okay, yes, let's wise. do it. Let's do for it. A buck. I know, obviously, Corey Connors are much, much fair. I should be getting two bucks back if this wins, to be honest. But how about you? How about you pick a second player? Pick a second player in that eight, in that nine below nine k range. I'll, I'll do two, two versus one. Okay, we a two v one. Yep. Sub 9K range. All right. Um, give me Lucas Glover. Deal. Beautiful. One buck on the line. And um, that's Corey Connors versus Lucas Glover and Benny Arn, folks. Awesome stuff, Ron. Glad to be back in the saddle with you. That was a fun little 37 minutes. I know John would be proud looking from afar, seeing us here under 40 minutes going into the into the new year. So, um, lots to look forward to here at Betspurs. Don't forget to go check out the rabbit. It's five dollars, right? Is that is that deal still rocking and rolling, Ron? Yeah, if you sign up with Vivid, um, Vivid Picks, you know it's five dollars. I know every state does not have Vivid, so if you're in one of those states that doesn't have it, um, we still have a promo deal you can use. So send me a DM, um, and we will we'll get you uh, figured out there. Yeah, no, the rabbit hole, beautiful thing, great tasting whiskey as well. Lots of good stuff going over there at Betspurts Golf. Um, we'll catch you guys next week for the Amex. Until then, put your face off.